0: Matt Lautner coming to you live from Adel, Iowa on a Friday night. And I was able to uh, talk Phil Feebold into coming onto the podcast for a few minutes. Uh, Phil is a legend of the game, especially in the Iowa market and Ohio market. He's won the state fair about a thousand times. And uh, I guess as we kind of piece together a compilation of interviews of industry legends, I dang sure didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to interview Phil, uh, and thank you for coming on, Phil. Uh, just like Dave Geyer back in the day, in my early young punk years, fresh out of high school, my first year at Iowa Central Community College, a little guy by the name of Phil Feeble let me come work on the show at the old <laughs> Feeble Show Barn. Located near Farnamville, Iowa, Gowrie, Iowa. And uh Yeah, at least two or three weekends I, I doubt I was very good help. I know that I accidentally got pulled over for drinking and driving my very first weekend at Iowa Central Community College in my freshman year. It was a silly little accident. I think I had one beer and by golly I, I blew over the limit. But uh anyways, uh so after that I I kinda had to sneakily Go down to your barn because I didn't technically have a legal license, legal. but uh, you know it is what it is. So a little birdie once told me that Scott Hespen worked for you, and I'd like you or someone else to help me tell the Scott Hespen story. That guy had amazing talent, and probably just let uh, alcohol get in the way of that talent.
1: I had Scott Hespen there too, and. But he said he wasn't drinking at all. But you all know the thing about too. Scott,
0: you'd, uh, he'd leave your property and you'd find little pieces of Scott Hesman five, six, <laughs> seven months later, just shoved in the corners little old old vodka bottles here and there and everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you could tell a few old Tom Kupke stories down at my dad's place, I believe, and according to my memory, I lived in a, at the farm where... Wayne Lautner, my dad's brother, lives up until about 87 or 88, 89. And then my parents bought uh, Tom Kupke's place southeast of Jefferson, Iowa. But, I mean, according to legend and folklore, Tom Kupke was kind of a party guy. And uh, maybe, oh, just yeah. maybe, <laughs> Bill and Dave Feebold might have drank a few beers at the Tom Kupke farm back in the day. Well, we did.
1: And, it. Uh, Well, we farmed, I mean, helped him farm and everything. He was kind of a high roller. (laughs) You know, he was into the full-blood Tioninas. We went up to Canada a bunch of times, and he had national champions in that. There is one story. I remember going up to Canada, and, oh, gosh, you know, it was like almost a two-day drive. I don't know if it was mm, Calgary, Regina, one of the places and uh on our way up uh heck we met paul Clapp and we passed him and we kept going he was in an old truck and old triggs trailer i remember and and uh he was only going about 55 and we were going about 80 and we keep going and we'd have to stop get something to eat and then we'd take off again and god there he was again we had to pass him he just kept chugging away. I remember that, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that was probably when he had uh, black power plate on the trailer. It had to be How the early that? '80s.
0: <laughs> Starting to think that Canada was kind of the the place to be. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, as Paul Clapp mentioned in his interview, the exchange rate was 60 or 70 cents against the American dollar, so you could buy a. Let's just say a thousand a thousand dollar steer in Canada probably didn't cost that much back then, but a thousand dollar in sta- in Canada you could pay them what would be six hundred dollars American and right. own yourself a four hundred four hundred dollar savings. So I think that was appealing to a lot of uh, you know I don't know Cupkey or you or or uh, yeah Mike and I mean, Fred Hart- Mike and Fred Hartman darn sure ran around in Canada a bunch back in the day I heard and yeah oh yeah Paul Clapp and just. Uh, a
1: lot, of, a lot of old traders went up there. so It was a lot of fun up there. And, I mean, there's a lot of people I still know up there. and Millers that were veterinarians and Beatons that were partners with Cupkey, uh, and, and, gosh, we had a great time. About Fred Hartman. Uh, heck, uh no, oh, they used to have club cap sales. And this had to be in the earlier 80s. Hey, right in Garvey. It was Hartman, DeYoungs, and you probably knew Marshall King, maybe. And it was the first place I ever seen a $1,000 calf sell. And that was a record, I think. <laughs> now a $1,000 calf, you can't buy one <laughs>
0: Brother Joe's making calf prices go up, but uh, uh, and by brother Joe I mean dementia Joe. I don't want to make this like a book report, but like what age, what year were you born? And then your brother Dave has been involved in the business as well. I know he's going through a, a health battle right now, but uh, yeah, uh, just give a little bit of like base level uh, background about how you where you were born and raised, and just how you got into the cattle deal.
1: Well, I'm in into my sixties, and and but uh, my brother's a couple years older, year and a half older, I guess. But uh, um, how I got into it, you know, it's going through four H. I was I never did win county fair, but <laughs> I was the first one that ever had a white the steer there. I'm pretty sure of that. Yep. Yeah, still. Yep, Webster yep. County. Okay, I was. Oh, Lizer's livestock! I don't know if you knew John Lizer or not, but he showed
0: all I know about Lizer's livestock is my mother in law goes to Lizer's to this day back in the day when I was uh, a young punk in the nineties, the two thousand time frame Lizers would have a club cast sale every winter, wouldn't they?
1: yep, and that's kind of where I got started i was they had a sale every Friday at the livestock deal, and I said, boy i I could probably buy one of these and take it into the club calf sale and maybe make a 50 mm-hmm. bucks or whatever. But, heck, I, I was in there on a Friday and i seen a black calves and I had them sorted off and sell it separate. And it, I bet it only brought 180 bucks or something like that. And, mm. matter of fact, it was uh, Holstein Angus, but... I broke it and took it in, I think the, the club cap sale was like two weeks later, and I think I sold it for like 550 bucks, and no. 400 and some, and I, you know, in them days, that was that was big money. <laughs> and uh, I probably called it El Dino or something, because there wasn't any club cap bulls really out there, <laughs> and that would have been a you public bet. key deal. But, uh, cool. it all started in, the Keanina business.
0: And yes, you and Phil Otner were acquaintances in the nineties or whenever. How did you meet Hello. my dad? And, uh, I guess, uh, another one would be a little guy by the name of Patrick Goshi. I know that you guys sold some <laughs> state fair champions out there in Ohio. Maybe, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know the full story, but I got a question or two about a particular calf later on, but just tell me about your relationship with Phil Otner.
1: Um, Oh, Phil and me got along. I mean, uh, we started uh, selling semen, and I'm not for sure which one was the first. You know, it might have been Payback or something like that.
0: But uh, To my memory, I think it started, I'm sure there was more than this, but I think it started with a bull called Jackpot from up there in the uh-huh. Springs area, and then that yep. moved on to Payback, and then Payback moved on to Nuffstead and Who Made Who, and then I think maybe right. payday came whenever uh, Heat Wave and, and I-80 and some Ali and yeah just a good string of bulls for good old Phil Lott. Right. But, uh, yeah. Back and, in the day, uh, I would say Jack and I, Payback were some of the first.
1: I got quite a few of them people around Springs just to start breeding. You know, they never never bred any club cap before. And, you know, there's how many people are up there, 50 or so, you know, I'll bet I got half of them going, you know, starting to breed everything because I took semen out to everybody, and oh, I'd stay at Ronnie Thompson's or you know, and we'd go out. He knew some guys that had some cows, and boy, we we got a lot of them going, and that's kind of where that that whole area up there was, you know, kind of a honey hole now. That Story with Ronnie Thompson that. uh Oh, gosh, I think Phil was along. Heck, we, uh, he was so proud of his calves, this, probably like the second, third year he was raising them, and, and uh, God, we went up there, and we wanted to go look at the calves, and it was in the morning, and we started out across pasture, and got to a bunch, there was a group of them, and all the calves were laying together, and that, and. He was driving up to one and he'd get that one up and had to pull keep pulling around here and there and that and all of a sudden he backed up once and crunch. <laughs> he he ran over one of his better calves.
0: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. That is an awful story to hear, but that is a really good story to hear in terms of just that stuff happens. That's I like I accidentally got a uh, bull caught in between two cornstalk bales this winter, or no, hay bales, and if we hadn't found him on the day that we found him, a little bull by the name of MLC Flush, MLC Full Flush, would just be a bag of bones at this point in in between two bales.
1: Needless to say, you know, Thompson Ronnie would uh, always like to have a cocktail, you know, about quitting time, but... He decided it was going to be noon time that day.
0: <laughs> so, specifically, uh, a steer called Cowboy. Were you involved with that steer? That- I bought a calf,
1: and it, it originated uh, from Troy Horning. It was a cow I sold him, and he was just starting to breed some because he was showing calves from me. I lived over by yep. Hubbard right, right on his place, his dad's place. And I doubled in a few calves. Oh gosh, that had to have been in the late '80s. I did not know so, that. Uh,
0: man, the morning, yeah. just for a brief, just for a brief moment, bought a calf or two off me for no particular reason. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense that you have a lifelong relationship yep. with those folks, because I would say for 95% of their career or 90% of their calves. You, they're buying Phil Feeble with calves, and they had a lot of success from you.
1: Yeah, no, I mean they were all oh, reserve. I think market effort for it State Fair, I know, but State they won yep. what mm-hmm. it is bit and, and yep. that. But uh, no, he it, he raised the calf. I bought it from him, and I had him at my Just place. Just so got to
0: interject yeah. one time, Phil. I got to right. tell me a little horning story, and my wife's gonna perk her head up off the couch when I tell this one. But anyways. <laughs> We went to the 2000, and I'm going to say 2010 Michigan Beef Expo. And on the way home, there was a little, we had a little yellow heifer they called Blonde Lady. She ended up winning Louisville that year, uh, yes. from, uh, the Larson Fella. And then, uh, bread. Tim, <laughs> Tim, yep, and Tim, uh, Tim Tucker had a Rocky Balboa steer. I think Rocky Balboa's one and only major prospect win of his entire life was Tim Tucker from Jefferson, <laughs> Iowa. Grand champion yeah, at the 2010 Michigan Beef Expo. I think that blonde lady might have got her ass kicked that day. But anyways, <laughs> on the way home, I had to stay up there to sell semen, but on the way home, little Troy Shaw, shower of uh, blonde lady, and yeah. little miss, What was little Dana Horning locked up in the back seat like show dogs. They just loved oh. each other that night on the way home. <laughs> I think she's in Vegas or California. She gave up this show cattle life, but they just they just loved each other at that point in their life. <laughs> there you go. When I say locked up like show dogs, I only mean they were kissing. They weren't like okay. anything else, okay? okay? They, they were kissing. okay. The Hornings raised cowboy, or was it somebody Yeah, they raised cowboy, they raised
1: cowboy and I, I sold them some cows, and they just started getting into it because Troy was buying calves for me, and then he wanted to get into it, and, and, uh, so I went over there, and, oh, I bought that calf from him and took him home, and then Dave Shane called me up, and he was headed out to Nebraska or something, and he wanted to stop by, and I, I just had him clipped and in the chute, and mm. he stopped in there, and I priced him, and probably about, he took off, and 15 minutes later, he says, oh, I'll take him if you think he's that good, and and I mm-hmm. said, yeah. And he says, we ought to show them in Nebraska. And a uh, few days later, I think it was, oh, Patrick Goshi, Tavishane, and uh, Jason Andrews showed up. And uh, Jason was the one now we're talking
0: about Now, we're talking about a Jason and Seth Andrews that probably would yep. have been, like, in between 16 and 20 years old at that point, right?
1: Right, right. Yep, yeah, I think. I mean cuz Jason I was talking about we're show, talking just just
0: uh, just to tell the story in reverse order cowboy ended up being a multiple show champion in the prospect season maybe won the Ohio yeah. Expo but uh took, sent it all the way home and was grand at the Ohio State Fair that summer. Yeah. Me.
1: I I don't think he was ever
0: beaten. But I got one story to tell you about Cowboy. And it's gonna get Uh-oh. told whether you want it to be told or not. <laughs> well I <So>, don't care. <laughs> you mentioned the uh, Nebraska AGR and that was a good win for y'all. Y'all won a mm-hmm. heck of a good show. That old back in the day, back in the nineties, we need to get old Dean Sander back on the sh- or on the show oh, yeah. for the first time. But yeah. Dean generally could win the Nebraska AGR every year in the nineties, basically, or him right. with Jack Stoltz or just a bunch of yep. Nebraska Heat out there. But on that year, old cowboy was grand champion, and a little birdie once told me that uh, Patrick Goshi, I don't know who was riding in the truck with him, but on the way home, they left the uh, Nebraska AGR, and about 10 or 15, 20 miles down the road, they have a car go screaming around and flashing their lights at them, and then they honk at them, and they go around in front of them, they slam on the brakes, then they... Good over, and they back up, and they say, Hey, your back door is open. <laughs> so, the grand champion stares in the Nebraska AGR, along with two of his show buddies was riding for 15 or 20 miles out of Columbus, Nebraska, and the back door was flapping in the wind. Little old cowboy might not have been a champion if he decided to jump off that trailer. Jump out. 60 or 70 miles. <laughs> you know,
1: I clipped him in my place, and them guys just... Picked him up, and I said, "Oh, I mean, I had other people coming in. I think I didn't even go out there, and so mm-hmm. I, that'd be the first I heard that story too. Now I can jump on
2: uh, <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll call uh, Seth or uh, or Jason or Patrick if I can get a hold of him and just confirm. <laughs> but I'm almost a thousand percent sure that I've heard I heard it from Patrick Goshi himself. But uh, well, yeah. you know how Patrick's memory can be sometimes."
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, I had some good old deals. I sold quite a few. Then that, uh, oh, one out in Ohio, I I sold them to Dave Shane, and and I think Cabas one, and oh, I've got to tell you about old Dave before I ever knew him. Um, yet uh, oh, I was I was helping Doc Thomas. God rest his soul been a long time ago, but I know it's one of the scariest things I've ever been into. Um, Dave had a good one out there. This is before I was selling him, and <laughs> he was going out there to get his money. <laughs> and this cap oh, was no. really good, <laughs> and uh, he was going to win it. He was going to be in the final drive. And we went out. I think it must have been a Keanina Association banquet deal. Had a dance, and and uh, Dave Shane knew about that. He was Dave Shane hired two thugs, and I mean they were in long black trench coats, and he didn't know if they had guns or what. But they came up in that dance, and they told both of us that we got to get out of town to leave now, <laughs> and that's the honest to God truth. And I said, oh God, and. I'm not sure if I went back there or not to watch the show the next day or not. But uh that's a scary little deal. <laughs> but then after that, after he bought Cowboy, I sold him quite a few steers. And matter of fact, Dave Oh the guess it's been what five five years, six years. Must have been six years ago. He wanted uh he just wasn't getting around very good, but he said last Thing I want to do is go out to South Dakota with you, and I've already bought some calves. I just want to go visit some of the old boys out there that were raising all these. So we we stopped in every place that, and he was talking. It was the best time of his life, and you know he was in trouble and just not feeling the best and that. And my God, every time we go to the motel, he'd sit down and read the Bible for about an hour. But I do like the guy a lot.
0: And, That's an amazing but, story. I mean, oh, yeah. beginning, middle, and end. That is an amazing, <laughs> amazing but story he told.
1: It, it turned all the way around, and it was from where you didn't know him, and, and he mm-hmm. was going to have you eliminated, <laughs> or and, Till the, till the other end, so it was quite a deal. Yeah. The
0: 2003 Iowa State Fair, I do believe that's the year. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Iowa State Fair, Grand Champion Steer. Was it Was a Bronco or was it a black one?
1: No, he was a Bronco face. He was a who made who, and I bought him from old Chad Foreman up there. And, you know, I seriously don't know who ever raised him. I don't think chad wanted to say but i think old troy thomas judged that year well they had uh that calf was right at that day and, and it, was, it was a nice calf i mean allegers are it's pretty good home you know they won Kansas city and things like that
0: too. uh the alleger calf uh just a dominant steer. looked off awesome him that day. I can remember him even though it's seventeen years ago. But uh uh just briefly about Troy Thomas. I've learned more than I ever knew about Troy Thomas through my <laughs> podcasting experience. They say that he was a little badass back in the day. And he still is a badass to the he's still a badass to this day. But they say his career of winning and selling and trading cattle started early, like as a teenager and uh I guess I see I'm him sure. more at this stage of his career as, a, you know, just a, a breeding cattle guy or, you know, the Chardet deal or whatever you want to call it. But uh, that's cool. That I his think career kind of started in that show steer realm. Oh, yeah.
1: And I still go up uh, there. I don't know if he's my age or what, but he's got to be close. And did you know Tommy Stevens? I did not. I mean, he's from oh he used to be from Arizona. And I think we won the Arizona National two if not three times in a row.
0: Phil, one yeah. second one second. Go ahead. Larry Alligar Larry Allager wants to say hi.
2: Hey Phil, how are you doing? <laughs>
0: Good. Where are you at, Larry? <laughs> I went home. Mm. Entering the conversation is Larry Alagar. Now we could have a whole podcast just about Larry Alager, but just as it involves uh Phil Feebold, uh, you know, Phil, you know, we, he sold you guys a lot of nice calves, and uh I mean I just speak briefly about that Barackle Steer. Uh I guess it's two thousand and three he was he yeah. was the grand champion steer and just just an amazing accomplishment to win the Iowa State Fair at any point in the last fifty years because it's such a competitive state, and I think, Larry, your family not only won the state fair, but I know, just from my bad memory, I know you had a, a released reserve at the state fair at a different time, and then you won the American Royal with that long neck, believe in me, uh, back in the day as well. Uh Just briefly talk about your relationship with Phil, and then just, you know, that calf in particular about that broccoli spear, if there was any... Uh, hiccups along the way, or just, you know, if you knew you had him on day one at the State Fair, I know that's a long time ago, but just tell a couple of unique personal stories about that rock and
2: steer. No, he was – we didn't know nothing much about showing steers, and him and Jimmy Pete got us started. And then we oh, – kind
0: of... Oh! Oh! One second. Jimmy Pete, Jimmy Peterson needs a shout-out. I mean, that's a name that I hadn't even thought of in 15 years. But that doesn't mean it's it's not an I mean Jimmy Pete is like the godfather of the show cap industry. And and before you're before you're done, uh Larry, please you and Phil have a brief um interaction about Dave because I know Dave's going through some health struggles right now and I'm sure that he'll enjoy listening to that. So I'm sorry for interrupting, but go ahead. So then we just kinda of worked our way up and
2: one day Phil said you need to buy this gear – it was in the old barn up at Paul Johnson's, and, yeah. and uh, Gosey was there, of course, and <laughs> and then, uh, so we uh, so we broke down and bought it. And I think we down. got fifth the first show we went to and in class, and fourth, and then finally about mid-summer, he kind of really come around, and uh, yeah. it all went he really worked good. And, then we're down to State Fair, and your brother had a pretty good calf. And
1: I know, uh, Russ Harkin, I had a good one there with, uh, oh gosh, I can't even think of it right now. It oh my gosh, you
0: guys are bringing up well, so many old memories. Please, before we're done with this podcast, please briefly talk about the steer pickles, because Russ has told me for exactly six weeks that he's going to be on the show but then he gets nervous. We can't get enough black velvet into his system to make him come on this show.
2: He was the year before, so Spock was the first yep. year we had to have DNA testing. And, and uh,
0: <laughs> Two consecutive and, uh, years of back. Black rockle. Yeah, two two consecutive years of Black rockle wins the Iowa State Fair, 2002-2003.
2: But a little sidebar is your dad come up to me the night before the show and said, Hey, Larry, our steer's not good enough. Travis can help fit tomorrow. Oh, that but, yeah! It, hard it had to water. be. Yeah, it had to be four H kids then. And, yeah, and so <laughs> and then the class was Sarah Faber and Haberger and Aaron in the middle division, of course. And yep. Aaron won it in the division, and, and he won it all. But it was fun.
0: Just uh, was a lot of fun. Just those. Yeah. Just those family interactions, lifetime memories. Someday, uh, someday we'll all meet meet our maker. But just uh, the the your run through your career, but especially to win the Iowa State Fair at any point, I haven't oh, done it wow. yet with my own family. But I'm just saying that that ability to give your kids the ability to win the Iowa State Fair one time, there is absolutely nothing like it. I'm sure those Illinois no. boys and Indiana boys and Ohio boys will argue, but there ain't nothing like the Iowa State Fair. I promise you. <laughs> feels like I Super Bowl re- Sunday. Every Wednesday morning at the Iowa State Fair, mid-August, and it just feels like you're having the Super Bowl that day.
1: The slogan Jackson was uh, one in a million, and, yep. and that was uh, that's what
2: I thought it was. It's just one in a million chances. <laughs> but David's been by us the whole time. Wherever we went, whatever calf we had, David was always there. <laughs> and It was, was kind of nice, but we really think a lot of David. Wishing the best on this battle he has. Yeah, and
1: he just just got back. He was down in Texas the last two days and just got back last night and I was in there today for quite a while. You know, it's a tough road but hopefully everything keeps coming around.
0: Yeah, we don't need to talk about David's condition specifically, but just for the audience so they know uh i believe he has a, a rare form of cancer and uh yep we we got him in our thoughts and prayers i guess so
1: yeah, yeah. and we thank everybody for that does a,
2: yeah. well i'm gonna let you two get back telling your stories and <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank, thank you for hopping on larry appreciate it very
0: much yeah.
2: see you larry <laughs> yeah see <laughs> you phil
1: a couple different other stories like I used to have a sale yeah, out in California with Jeff Gates, and yep. you you probably remember Shannon you don't you?
0: Oh, she yeah, Shaggy Dog. He texts text <laughs> me shaggy. from time to time still.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: this is a funny one, where we're going out, we're going to haul cattle out to Gates and have a sale, and... Here, I was. I flew out, and, I, you know, he had my truck and trailer, and I said, you know, wash this calf up and get the other, I think there was like 14, 15 head, and uh, I was out there, and we called back to find out where, how far he was, because he was driving the truck and trailer, and, uh, God, he was by Omaha, you know, and he got taken off, And it was, I said, you get all the calves and hummy head, and, you know, he said it was one less than what was supposed to be on there. And I go, Did you forget one there? And then all of a sudden he goes, Oh shit. He left one in the wash rack in a chute, and he was already Hmm. in Omaha. And he had to drive oh, all the way back and pick him up, and it took him, I don't know, two days, you know, to get out of California, three, I think. All <laughs> right, I know <laughs> that
0: Shaggy Dog is listening. I know that my boy Brad Otto is listening. Brad has a, a relationship with Shannon also.
2: But let me tell you
0: something, <laughs> Phil Feebles. I'm just glad that Shannon was working for you at that point and not Phil Otter. Woo! Woo! I don't think Phil would ever let him live it down. And Shannon did go on to work for Phil, also. Oh, he was fun, though. <laughs> he's a damn, he's a damn, damn good human, and that's all that really matters. You bet. But, uh, unfortunately, Shannon worked for my old man during a grumpy stage of Phil Lautner's life, and I just never knew how Shannon put up with Phil's shit. I think he well, was Phil's hired man. I think he was Phil's hired man shortly before Stan Ackerman came. And I'm going to tell you what yeah. we're going to get. I'm gonna get me a Stan Ackerman podcast eventually because that old boy was one of the best. <laughs>
1: you got that right. <laughs> oh, Stan! God, I wish he was around today. Uh,
0: there's a few people out there, like a, a Gordy or a Patrick Goshi or several other people. The Jimmy Pete. We need to. Yep. We need to get this this first one published. And give uh, your friends and neighbors a week or two to digest it, and then get a g- little group podcast back on here. Because, while I know some of the Phil Feible story. I just know that these old <laughs> memories are best told whenever. Uh, I told that I, Kenny Neville and <laughs> Nolan Fleshner. They did a podcast with me two nights ago, and those guys. I'm just gonna be frank here. I'm not trying to be rude, but. I, They've chased women together before. They've drank beer together before. Oh, so yeah. that story, that interaction between those two was just a little more special or unique because they went through the time periods we were talking about <laughs> together. Yeah, I can only give you uh, firsthand knowledge on your career from about 1999 on because that's when I started paying <laughs> attention. But, uh... Right.
1: To a guy named uh, Oh Roger Woolman. And he was from Oklahoma. I went by his place and stopped in there, and he wasn't there. And but I had truck and trailer on, so I was probably going down to John's. And I don't know if it was ten miles down the road. I was driving along, and here there was you know some cop cars and things like that. And uh, there was a crew, crew of inmates. They had orange suits on. They were in the ditch picking up stuff, and I was driving by real slow, and my God, it was Roger Woolman there, one of the guys, you know, no, and I I just about, well, I think I did drive off the road a little bit, and I thought they were going to (laughs) pick them up. I couldn't believe it, but somehow he was (laughs) in jail, and, and it was, I don't know, I did talk to him. Oh gosh, three or four years after that, but uh, mm-hmm. he wasn't involved in. It. And I don't know what he did or how he got that. But mm. uh, I just had to let that no, go no. by.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you could gather up Jimmy, Pete, Joel, Feeble, uh <laughs> yeah. anybody, anybody in that gallery circuit, I'm telling you, it was like. I mean, I I don't think that many of you were actually truly related besides you, Joel, and Dave. But it almost felt like a big, happy family, about about amongst a dozen people up there in the gallery. Uh, restaurant oh, yeah. Or, or just, yeah. And
1: Jimmy Pete's like an elephant. He remembers everything, so he would be something good.
0: <laughs> there you
2: go.
1: There you go.
0: I do know, uh, here's a story we could tell, and maybe you'd remember some of this, and maybe you wouldn't. But just to my memory, in uh, the early, no, it would be the late 90s, early 2000s there was a bull called nfl were you and joel involved with that one?
1: Oh yeah yep
0: yep, yep. so I, I don't remember oh, the bull I think... pedigree i think he was a Westington springs bull from Caffey, maybe yeah i think Dave
1: raised him yep
0: so anyways mm. uh here's my jimmy here's my uh joel feeble story uh And this is told to me by Phil Lautner, so if, if I have it wrong, then you need to correct it, sir. (laughs) But anyways, uh, I mean, Phil was the type of guy that liked to farm out them calves in terms of preparation for Denver. And, uh, I guess according to legend, or according to Phil Lautner in this, in this case, (laughs) uh, Joel was trying to help a buddy out, uh, that bull in particular, NFL. So he would keep him in a heated barn and wash him with uh the brand new warm water they had installed in their barn. And by the time that calf got to Denver, he had no hair left, according to Phil Otter Do you do even. you believe that story or is that legend?
1: I, I don't know if I believe it all, but uh I don't think he was
0: ever blessed with a lot of hair. <laughs> There you go. That's, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a good point. That's a good point you just made. Sometimes right. something happens, and to adjust the story to a particular storyline or narrative that a certain man, named Mister LF, would want, he would make up <laughs> excuses for animal.
1: Right. And I'm not sure if Joel ever had him down there or not, but uh, he may have, and he had.
0: I do know. Warm water. I do know. Uh, <laughs> I do know uh, two or three year old NFL. Me and I was down there at copas's We picture, we repictured him as a mature bull, and I mean, it's only it only sticks in my memory because Mark Kopus is one of the smoothest talking old devils in this world, and someday he's going to be on the podcast. But I think my first interaction with Mark was whenever uh, we had NFL and maybe one or two other bulls down there in the in the glorious Burke Burnett Sun and. We were uh, repicturing a couple uh, late in the year one time after Denver. One last question. One last question. I yep. guess I can't believe that I, it took me just long to remember it, but a little steer out of a bull called Hotmail came from Jay Solzma back in yep. the, what, what would it have been, 2002, three, four, um, somewhere in there?
1: must have been three because it was the same year as as Alligert's steer. No
0: shit. So you won the yep. Winter Beef Expo. With Hotmail yep. Steer that Kyle Feebold, rest in peace, yep. uh, showed. And then uh, the State Fair, you were Grand Champion with the Brock of, of Alligers. So, yep. I mean, we all have our little spurts of success that keeps us uh, coming back for more <laughs> through the hard times, you know. But the year and 2003 that, that was a, designated one of your best.
1: That was a good year. <laughs>
0: Now that hotmail calf was a hell of a calf. Do you remember how he endpointed? Did he come to Kansas City, or where did he end point?
1: Uh, I thought it was just state fair, and uh, you know he was getting okay. up there and weight, and it was yeah,
0: just a little bit longer bodied steer, but a big old yep. horse neck and yep. big old, big old fat feet. Man, that was a big footed rascal. Jay Solzma, a Hereford breeder, basically yeah. was the one I that mean... raised that calf. I'm not saying I'm not saying he was out of a Hereford cow. I'm just saying you wouldn't expect the Jay Solzma to be the one that raised that cow because (laughs) he was as clubby looking of a deal as I've ever seen in terms of just
1: big feet and long neck and big big head. He was he was out of a mailman cow.
0: That Wilkins from Oklahoma sometimes will message me on Facebook and I've been begging him begging him to come on the show, but that old mailman. I would say <laughs> mailmans and Believe in Me's from the last 30 years are the most spirited in terms of uh, you know reputation for being just a little higher headed sort of cattle. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, quite a few of them are. At my age right now, I don't uh, really care for them wild ones anymore. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on, Phil. Line something up with old Jimmy Pete and the boys and all. Sounds good, Matt. Thank you.
2: Hey, Phil. You
1: bet.